Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to I'm a Writer, but my guest today is Chloe Caldwell. Chloe Caldwell is the author of The Red Zone, A Love Story, and three more books, The Essay Collection, I'll Tell You in Person, The Critically Acclaimed Novella, Women, and Legs Get Led Astray. Orphan Passages, Notes on Trying, will be released in 2025 from Grey Wolf Press. She's here to talk more about The Red Zone, a searching, galvanizing memoir about blood and love how learning more about her period, PMS, PMDD, and the effects of hormones on moods transformed her relationships to a new partner, to family, to non-blood kin, and to her own body. Welcome, Chloe. Hi, Lindsay. Thank you so much for having me. I really love the podcast. I, I listened to a lot of the episodes, so thank you. Oh, thank you so much. That's such a <laughs> such an honor. Yeah, <laughs> I, have- I listened to... Um, Andrew Bombach's episode because yes. he's a friend. Yeah, he's so great. And he's awesome. um, Fran Badalamenti, that was a really fun one. Oh, yeah. Those are really great mm-hmm. ones. My husband's For always that. like, you know, anyone who listens to a podcast about writing was <laughs> <laughs> like a real. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. They're so good, though, to have on in the background. And also, like, I just do such deep dives. Like, anyone's book that I, if I end up liking someone's book, I listen to them on like free podcasts. Yeah. I hear that. Sometimes that backfires, right? You're like, Oh, I should have never learned about this person. (laughs) Um, But that's so great. I love hearing that, that the podcast gets listened, gets listened to because you just never know. Well, I feel like my students are always looking for podcasts on writing as well. And I mean, there's definitely a handful, but there's not like a ton, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I feel like it's always like, um, you're out there trying to do your work and then you, you feel like you're doing it wrong. Yeah. And it's great to hear from other people that like, oh, there is no right way to do this. So yeah, it's awesome. true. Yeah. Well, I would love for you to read a little bit from the red zone before we get started. Sure. That sounds great. Um, I'm going to start in the middle of a chapter toward the beginning of the book. Um, sort of some ruminations on periods and the menstrual cycle. How unfortunate that khakis were the popular pant during the years we were 11, 12, 13, 14. 
We'd walk around saying, check my butt to each other. Pads in our pockets, tampons in our lockers, the smell of blood, the way you can smell the blood before you even begin bleeding, rusty. Why did we have to wear what everyone else was wearing? Why couldn't we have been empowered enough to not wear khakis, to change the trend, to wear dark denim or black? It had to be khakis from Old Navy or Gap, American Eagle or Limited 2. On Instagram, an ad tells me to say goodbye to leak anxiety. But without leak anxiety, who would I be? How many hours of my life have I spent wondering if I was bleeding through my pants, realizing I bled through my pants? How many pairs of jeans and underwear have I ruined because the blood came early or late or more heavily than I'd anticipated? Doctors and commercials and gynecologists and even friends often ask if your period is heavy. Articles and books and podcasts refer to heavy periods. If your period is heavy, you might have a problem. But the real problem is that we were never told what a regular period should look like. At least in my middle school or high school, we were never handed three buckets of blood and told which one was light, regular, and heavy. We were never told how many tampons or pads was normal to fill during a period. I don't know if my period is heavy. I can only guess. Some months I bleed more than others. Heavy compared to what? Compared to whom? In the book, Periods Gone Public, Taking a Stand for Menstrual Equality, activist Jennifer Weiss-Wolf says that often when she told people she wanted to get tampons in schools, they would say, tampons? What about condoms? As if they are one and the same. Sometimes I imagine photographing each bloody design I bled into the toilet for a year to see how different each one was. Once I texted a particularly pretty image of my blood to my friend, Karina. Mine doesn't spread out like that, she responded. Mine usually doesn't, I said. The way the blood spread reminded me of a lotus flower. I imagined a room where my blood is photographed and framed. I imagined drinking red wine as though it was a gallery opening. This image made me feel safe, warm, the opposite of how my period so often felt to me. The bright yellow dull lights in the school cafeteria, how I loathed being there. The smell of chocolate milk and styrofoam, tomato soup. One of my school cafeteria memories really perplexes me. A sweatshirt was tied around the waist of khakis. The sweatshirt was navy. Navy blue was so popular then too. And do not wear navy blue with black unless you want the cool girls to make fun of you all day. The girl wearing the sweatshirt walked out of the cafeteria while a group of kids laughed at her because of blood on her butt. Someone yelled, you have blood on your butt. We all shamed each other for having our periods when having our periods was the most natural and healthy thing in the world. It's strange how periods were simultaneously coveted and made fun of. We wanted to get our periods to fit in, but we also used them against each other. Is the girl with the blood on her butt, my fuzzy memory, something I saw passively or was I part of the incident? Was I the girl who tied the sweatshirt around her waist? Or was I the girl who laughed at the girl who tied the sweatshirt around her waist? I will never know. It's more of a feeling, the memory. We're all every girl in high school, the girl who shames, the girl who gets shamed, and the girl who watches from the bleachers. Your story won't work unless it's empathetic. I heard a guy with a beard tell another guy with a beard at a coffee shop last week. Um, I can stop there. Seems like a good place to stop. That's great. And I'm so glad. I love that 
that chapter ends with the two bearded guys at the coffee yeah. shop. <laughs> I love that. There's so many great moments like that in this book. Oh, thank you. I I feel like exhilarated and enthralled and so happy to read about periods and to see periods in pop culture and not in a way that like is like those old YM horror story you know (laughs) like oh my god I bled in front of you know my crush or whatever or in front of the popular girl like I just just people talking about their periods why does that still why does that feel so special and unique yeah I know for me when I became passionate about you know periods and thinking about periods I noticed that the way my friends and I and probably your life is like this too like the way my friends and I talked about our bodies and periods and texted about stuff like that was not being depicted anywhere mm-hmm. like we will you know I actually got a voice memo this morning from my friend and she was like just launched right in oh my god my period this you know and, and all of these different like symptoms she was having and we'll text each other like the grossest things and I was like <laughs> This is all in secret, sort of, you know, and yet we're all talking about it the same way. It's not like one person. It's like, you know, all of us. So I thought it would be so interesting to have that captured in a book that is, you know, somewhat literary Mm -hmm. um, and contemporary, right? Because all of the, the books on periods that I was searching for and found were obviously educational books um Mm -hmm. so I kept thinking like oh my god what if I made the period like the plot of a book um and I know I I would scour like other books I would remember people referencing their periods you know who does it a bunch is Kate Zambrino oh shout (laughs) out (laughs) if you go back it's like in heroines um there's a lot of period stuff in her newer book drifts there's a lot of period stuff so there there are these there are these mentions um but I really I like to challenge myself with each book that I do um I don't like to keep like churning out sort of the same you know they're all in the realm of nonfiction. but I like I, I was up for the challenge of like well I haven't done this before how would one even go about because you know using using a period as a plot point right um, yeah. And I, I'm not sure I really was able to do, I don't know, there, that, it was a hard book for me. And like, looking back on it, I'm like, that was sort of ambitious. I, and I wasn't sure how much I should do of a hybrid, like to bring how much research to bring in. And ultimately when I sold it to um, my editor at Soft Skull, we leaned into the memoir and made it, made it a memoir, but there were a lot of different structures I had been considering because it was such a, such a sort of strange topic to put into a memoir yeah it feels like such a it 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 reminds me of of like motherhood in a way like it's such a thing that it's just natural and we just take it for granted and and you know people have been having periods since the dawn of you know humanity and etc so why do we you know why like for motherhood why why do we have to say anything else about it right and it feels that way with um menstruation too because it's like yeah, well, this happens to so many people. So what do we, why do we have to talk about it? You know, it's gross, it's smelly, it's, you know, messy. Um, But it it feels so crucial. And I remember you posting on Instagram, um, a screenshot from 
uh, Life of Beth, where she gets her period in yes. the shower. Yes. And it's just, they don't show you anything but the blood landing in the, <laughs> in the tub. And and you said, I've never seen this before. Ever. And it felt like, of course, Amy Schumer did that. It was the, it, but it's also like, oh my God, Amy Schumer did that. You know, like it's. Yes. We need it's more both. of it. It's both. It's, it's, it's yeah. What you're saying is it's so real how it's both shocking and also like, oh yeah, this happens to us once a month. It's not shocking. And yet it's not depicted. I love that scene, especially because leading up to it, Amy Schumer's character, Beth is having a fight with her mom mm-hmm. in the dressing room. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. And her mom's like, are you about to get your period? She's yes. like, well, I'm not getting my period. And then they just show the blood clot coming out. Like, <laughs> I was like, that's so good because she's also like taking accountability and for like, yeah, there, there is a mood before our periods. Let's not, you know, pretend that she's too proud and actually wasn't getting her period. Like she was. So like the genius of that. Um, yeah, that one. And then the other scene, I also had posted, there's a scene in the show. Do you, did you watch better things by yes. Pam? Adlon? Oh yes. Love that show. Talk about a great motherhood show, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the one where she thinks she has hit men- menopause and then she's on the toilet and she gets her period. Yes. Um, so, I mean, it's definitely, you know, it's, it's coming we're coming around to it but what you're saying about like motherhood and periods it is so fascinating right because that's that's life that's Mm -hmm. really that's what life is is like Mm -hmm. you know creating life and that comes from periods that's how people become parents or mothers and like how wild is it that that's just to like bring in the stupid kind of like marketplace it's like how wild is it that those are the books that are like harder Mm-hmm. to sell and and harder to pitch and harder to find you know as we're told like oh it's hard to find a place for this in the marketplace it's like right but this is actually this is life like mm-hmm. this should be the thing that you should be selling most of yeah so, and I can I can remember yeah. having conversations with my agent like well we want to send because I had this book that I was thinking was about motherhood that failed yeah. on submission and he when we were strategizing where to send it to he's like we want to send it to so and so because they're a parent but maybe not so and so because they're <laughs> not a parent and it's like oh my god because there really is yeah you know, and I can understand you know I can understand that you know you just might not relate I get yeah. it but but it is it's just like but so many people will relate um, yes and and exactly like you were mentioning with the text messages with your friends. I mean, I remember my sister, like we were on a road trip and we finally got to our destination and she ran in the house and ran up the stairs and she's like, oh my God, I'm about to pee out my tampon, you know? And like, I, oh, and I hadn't had my period at that time. And I was like <laughs> being introduced to this world of periods by my sister who was so like upfront with it, mm-hmm. you know, and almost like, um, like punk rock with it, you know, just like, that's pretty great. The whole house got her period, you know, it wasn't like, (laughs) how old was she with the tampon incident? God, she must've been like 12 or 13. Wow. And, um, yeah. And, and so I, but, and then through, through, you know, friendships and, and growing up and we really do talk to each other in very graphic terms about our periods in a way that we're not trying to horrify each other. It just is what it is. Exactly. There's no, there's, it's like, it's not a shock value thing at all. It's just what's happening. And we're so blunt with the, the people we're close to about it. Um, and 
Yeah. I mean, someone recently asked me in some sort of interview of like, where's the line of being like too gruesome. And I was like, I honestly did not take that into consideration. No, never. (laughs) I was not writing this thinking, is that too much? I mean, I knew it was pretty bold to have like, I think there's like blood clots in the beginning, but again, kind of what you're saying, it's like, you could argue that that's actually just part of the month every month. And it's Mm -hmm. just what it is. So Mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, it's shocking. And it's also just totally normal. Well, it's like how many people and and you get to this, um, you have this wonderful chapter where it's, um, you talk to a bunch of people about when they first got their first mm-hmm. period. How many of those people were like, I didn't know what was happening. And I was terrified. And I, you know, like, or um, yeah. it wasn't properly explained to me, you know, what to do or what, you know, or even how to care for myself. It blows yeah. my mind to this day that like, no one ever took me aside and was like, you know, um, you should rest or you should take some ibuprofen or you should care for yourself. No one ever did that. Yeah. Right. I'm I'm like, I, I'm not glad to hear you say that, but I'm like, okay, yeah, that was the normal for us growing up. That was the experience. Like nobody, there was no term of self-care. There was no, but not even self-care, just the freaking basics of like, Mm -hmm. Oh, you have cramps go lay down. Like, Mm -hmm. so that chapter, it's rather sad to me in ways. It is very sad. (laughs) it's like haha right a lot of it but it's also like wait that's actually that's really depressing so let's say I don't know how many interviews there are like these mini mini interviews maybe let's say if there's 30 I mean 28 out of 30 were a negative experience for Mm -hmm. the person Mm -hmm. Um, and that is pretty mind-blowing um most of the stories start with like you said I didn't know what was happening I thought I was dying. My mother never talked to me about this. It's just so, it's so wild. And I do think as, you know, those start in a hypothetical period in 1920 and goes up to maybe 2018. And that last person who I asked about their period was my cousin. And in 2018, she had a more positive experience. So you do see the shift mm-hmm. begin, mm-hmm. but, but yes, most, most of those are, are negative. And, and most of the families or the parents of the person getting the period we're in denial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's also like, you know, cause it's, it happens your first time happens once, but then you see it every single month. I mean, you know, a lot of us do, some of us have irregular yeah. periods, et cetera, but um, the, the symptoms of your period are also treated so negatively or ignored or um, yeah. you know, like that's not that big of a deal, you know, because it's such a natural thing and it happens to so many people. It's like, you know, the, the moods, and the pain are, you just have to like grit your teeth and get through it. And and you have to like regulate yourself or you're failing. Yeah. Pull up your bootstraps was a bit, I feel like a few right. interviews said that that's what their, their mom said to them. Wait, I'm curious about yours now. Like what year was it and how old you, you were and what your experience was. Can you tell me? I, so I was desperate to get my period because oh, I had an older okay. sister and she had all the teen magazines and I, and all in the teen magazines, it was like, Ooh, tee hee, you might need this kind of tampon or this panty liner or, which by the way, I've never been able to use a panty liner in my life. It is just, <laughs> I am like heavy from day They're one. They're pointless. They're pointless. It's yeah. like, and also like the little tiny little tampons. I'm, I'm just mm-hmm. like, I've, I've always felt like such a beast because those are They're just pointless for me. Yes. Um, no. So I got mine when I was 11, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Jesus. So young, right. It's, it's so young looking back. Yes. Yeah. And I, I was so excited, but my, I, I woke up, there was blood in my underwear. I went across the hall to tell my sister 
And, and she was just like, basically threw a pad at me and was like, figure it out. I, I don't know where my mom was. My mom must've been at work already or something. And then mm-hmm. I couldn't wait to tell my friends at school. But then after that, I shortly, you know, quickly realized like, oh my God, I have to change my pad during the day. Somehow I, you know, I have to remember to bring these things, you know, I, I like, what if I leak and that leaking in the nineties was like the worst possible thing that could ever happen to you. Exactly. Like you, you were just hideous (laughs) if that happened to you and it happened to all of us, you know? So true. (laughs) It's so true. Like leaking. It's like, if you leaked, like your life was over and yet everybody was leaking 24 seven because products were so bad. They were terrible. Like I remember when the wings came out, the wings on the pads, (laughs) oh my God, changed my life. (laughs) Um, God bless the wings. But yeah, I, um, I, in my house, you know, it was not a thing we were open about. And so it was me and my sister. And then we had a little brother and, you know, so it was mostly women in the house, but, um, I can remember asking my dad to get me, my mom was sick, so she couldn't, you know, she was bedridden and I needed pads and I had to call him at work and ask him to bring them. And he came home with them and he threw them at me and he said, don't ever ask me to do that again. Oh, wow. This grown man embarrassed to buy his daughter pads. And so that was how it was treated in my house. It was, you know, um, there was no sort of taking into account hormonal shifts or, brain development or pain or just any of it. It was just like, don't, I don't want to know anything about this, figure it out. So did you buy your own pads from then on? Or I think my mom just made sure okay, yeah. that we had them. And, and it's so funny because I was just visiting her and I have a niece who's a teenager. And so she visits my mom uh, quite a bit. So she has like a room that she usually stays in with the bathroom and in, in that bathroom, completely stocked with every kind of pad or tampon that you could need. And I was like, oh my, you know, like we've grown. What a luxury. What yes, a luxury. I, know. I know. That's how it, that's how it is now. It used to be just like scarcity mindset and like scrounging or like asking, like panicked in the bathroom of asking like another woman or like, oh my God, do you have a pad? And you're so right. Now it's like these kids just have like boxes of everything. Like parents are just more prepared. Totally. And like, I fell in love with my husband partly because I remember testing him like very early in our relationship being like, can you pick up pads for me? And he was like, yeah, just tell me what kind. Like that's not a really even- good test, Lindsay. I love that. <laughs> Cause I was always, you know, of course you're thinking about your own father and, yeah. um, and he's always been very much like, yeah. And like, even we went on a trip over the summer. He's like, oh, don't forget tampons. Cause you're going to get your periods. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the way to do it. And now we have period underwear, which is a whole yes. A whole other thing. Like, can you imagine, like, I remember seeing my mom's face when I told her about period underwear, like in 2017 or 18. And she was like, what? Like she was so jealous that she didn't grow up with it. I like, I haven't tried them yet. Cause I don't trust that they can, that they can hold me in. Oh, that they can hold you. Well, they're good for like, let's say like your last day, like a lighter day or, or just to like wear that underwear because of leaks. (laughs) Yep. 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 Or like to wear them to bed, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. 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 Once I had kids, it was just like, it's a, like a, a gory horror film every month. <laughs> like, it's just like, my body's like, you're not having a baby. What? And it just, right. yeah. Like you're not having a baby. I'm going to turn on you, bitch. Yeah, I'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's also like, I really love that you got into the different phases of the cycle in the book, because I feel like that's also something that women don't pay attention to. The only other time I've read about it is 
in Jen Burney's book, um, when she's talking about trying to get pregnant with, she's a lesbian, she's in a, um, a committed lesbian partnership and they wanted to have babies and she had to track her cycle like to the day. And she would know like when she was going to get a certain type of discharge. Yeah. And wait, what book was that? Oh God. What is it called? She, uh, this is terrible. Or, she, or what's her name? Her name is Jen Burney. Let me look it oh, up. I've never heard of this, this person, but I'll look into that. Um, yeah. It's her memoir about how hard it is. If you want to have yeah. babies and you're, you know, it's called the other mothers. Oh, I love it. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I it's love going on a book podcast to get book recs. Yeah. Come um, on. I'm your man. Oh my God. I would think I would have heard of that. That sounds up my alley. Um, yeah. I love anything that has to do with the cycle like that. Like I feel like, or, or like that's structured that way. So like you brought up motherhood by Sheila Hetty. Um, there's some headers in that book of like bleeding ovulation um, but then she'll switch around. Then it's like book tour, but then it's <laughs> ovulation again. Um, so it's a pretty loose structure. I tried a lot of different structures for mine and then ultimately got really confused. Like, mm. you know, when you're like writing a book and then you're just like, what am I doing? Um, <laughs> what's the, what's the point? And then you have your editor come in and be like, just be linear. Like this doesn't make any sense. Does that ever happen to you? Um, yes. It actually just happened to me with hot springs drive. Really? I, uh, I was trying, I, I don't even remember why I was doing it the way I was doing it. Right. We never remember why. Yeah. Yeah. And so I couldn't even defend myself. <laughs> That's what I tell my students too. I'm like, do you have an, what's your intention behind it? Or are you just like trying to be weird or I mean, props to us for like trying different yeah, structures. Right. Pushing going. ourselves. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I, you know what I did at one point, I did the structure where the book was in however many parts. So the first one was pre and that was a chunk of the book. And then menstrual was a chunk and then dysphoric was a, a chunk mm. and then dysphoric. and that did not work. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it's everything think, at once. Yeah, exactly. It's just, yeah. But I, I do think it's like really neat. And then I think what I ended up doing was putting them doing the cycle, the phases of the cycle into one chapter, which Mm -hmm. I think is called the golden week. Um, Funny how you forget your own book, isn't it? Oh my God. I, I can't tell you how many times I've asked authors about characters and they're like, what the hell is that character's name? (laughs) Yeah. It's not called the golden week. It's called the cycle. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Is Golden um, Week the one about Prozac or no, that's something else? I, I don't even think the Golden Week is, a, it's not even, I'm looking at it now. It's not even a title, but it is, you know, it is, it's in the, the cycle. I see it. Cycle. I see it. The repair, the Golden Week. Yep. Yeah. Got it. So that was kind of getting at, getting at it, but that structure to do as an entire book was just too, it was just too much. Um, yeah. So it looks like I did the cycle as like an emotional thing mm-hmm. or I put it, and then I put in the ovulations, but mm-hmm. um, I didn't, didn't, it doesn't look like I did like the follicular phase, the luteal phase, ovulation and period. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, yeah, I mean, I grew up, you know, you and I grew up like around the same time. There just wasn't like, we're saying any conversation. I never heard those words in my entire life until I was like 29, you know? And once I started paying attention to it, I just, I couldn't stop. Like I, it was blowing my mind. Um, It wouldn't have so much if I didn't have PMS or I didn't have regular cycles, but the amount that it was affecting my life and how it was so true to the Mm -hmm. calendar, like, as I put in the book, I mean, I was like day 28 in the morning, 
for six years. Like my period was the most regular thing in my life. Wow. Um, and it was like dominating my life. So once I started using those apps, which I have mixed feelings on in some ways, but like mm-hmm. using the apps for a while in 2017 or so, 2017, 2018 was so helpful for me. Um, and just so educational for me. Um, and like a lot of period content, like different memes and stuff started to come out around then. And it just, it all rang really true to how I was experiencing life Mm -hmm. um, where I would have these times of, you know, at the time the PMDD premenstrual dysphoric disorder, like I was having really bad symptoms of mostly of rage and paranoia, Mm -hmm. but I would have physical symptoms too. And, you know, this would go on maybe five days and then it would pass. And then I would be in an amazing mental state and feel really good. And then it would ovulate and the same thing would happen. And, and I thought like, if we're, you know, I'm going through life this way, but I haven't seen it like depicted anywhere Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. Do you use a period app now? You know, I did for a while. I, um, and it did help, but I, now I'm so used to my symptoms and I also think like I'm 43. So I think perimenopause is probably on the horizon for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, there's always a day yeah. where, oh, there's always a day where I <laughs> snap at my family mm-hmm. and my husband will just look at me and I'm like, <laughs> it makes me even angrier. Cause he knows yep. why yep. I'm doing that. And I hate that he knows yep. and that he's right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because <laughs> it, it really feels like that Roseanne Barr quote that you had that that's like, oh, yeah. actually, this is just who I am. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because all the it's other, when, it's when the real me comes out. Yeah. Yes, yeah, like, I'm just not going to protect you anymore. Okay. Yep. Yep. Pick up your shit family. Yep. Um, <laughs> and then I feel, you know, that that passes and I'm like, oh, that was funny. Um, yeah. but no, like I, I, I'm pretty much like, I snap at my family, like five days later, I get my period. Then like the day after my period ends, I'm super horny for a week. And then uh-huh. yeah. I have like, after that, I have a week of like, oh, I feel great in my body. And then I have a week of like, I feel disgusting in my body. Yep. And I, I think Amber Sparks said something like this on Twitter where she was like, I can't explain to my doctor, like I am literally a different body yeah. every week of my life. Yep. And I think you say something similar in this book too, where it's just like, it, it, how do you hold it in your head that like, yes, our brains and our bodies and our emotions are very different depending on our cycles and where we are in the cycles, but that doesn't make us crazy. You know, like how can we get to that acceptance in society and in ourselves? You know, I know know. it's when I think about it too deeply, like I get really overwhelmed and like, like very, it's frustrating um, because it's, because it's so true and it's like so controversial in ways because there's still a lot of, you know, obviously men, but also women who think that that is a weak thing to admit, you know, right. and like puts us at a disadvantage. Yeah. Exactly. Right? It's well, not because we expected. know, we know what people, that people would take that as a, as a way of disadvantaging us. Right. Like there's people out there that would be like, yeah, exactly. You know? Um, yeah, they have and, and they do. And it's like, I, I do wonder, I mean, look how it is. It has already come so far. Like if you think about how our parents grew up and now what's, you know, going on with periods. So I can only hope that that will start to be honored and respected in the majority. I mean, there are so many like amazing 
period, um, just kind of like period content and, and different programs of like how to honor your cycle and just so much stuff out there, like more than there was even three years ago. There's just so much, like there's period board games, like there's a lot. So I can only hope that that's just going to become more and more, but it is, it's challenging to talk about, especially because not everyone is attuned to it. Like there might be other people who get their periods that are moving through the world, similar to you and I, like, I I really relate to your feeling gross, Mm -hmm. you know, getting your period, feeling horny, feeling amazing, feeling gross. Like Mm -hmm. I move pretty similarly. And I think a lot of people do. And then there's people who are also moving through that way, but they don't take their period into consideration. So I feel like until there's like an education system in schools, that's going to teach people about this. It's hard because right now it's like, it's dependent on your parents and how your parents talk about it. I guess. I mean, I guess I shouldn't say that. I don't know what like health programs are. I think they're, I'm sure they're a lot better than when I was in middle school, but I can't imagine that they're, that they're amazing either. Yeah. I mean, just based on my kids go to public school in Chicago and um, they learn about bodies. And I think when I was doing it, when I was doing sex ed in, you know, whatever grade that was, we were separated girls in one room, boys in another. And so like, you know, the boys never really learned about our periods, you know, other than what we were, they were whispering and, you know, we like, didn't really know about (laughs) their situation either. Um, But I, I just based on what my kids are learning, you know, they're learning it together and it's, you know, kind of about like body acceptance and stuff. And Mm. um, for my part, I just am very open with my period in front of my kids. Like they see everything they watch, like, cause I can't pee alone. They love to watch me pee. So they, um, they're not like freaked out by it or any, like, they just know like, yeah, this happens. And so I feel like in some ways that's, it's exposure. Yeah. yeah we didn't have my that. Like my mom was super open, but I don't remember ever her, like me being in the bathroom and her being like, Oh, I have my period, even though she was really open. Um, so I, yeah, I think, I think exposure is huge. Like modeling that and whoever, like your husband models it, you know? Yeah. Like they just, it's just, they just take it in stride. We just yeah. take it in stride yeah. as a household yeah. and he's never like, huh, huh, kids, mom's PMSing. Cause I would yep. kill him in the street. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> never, you know, like it's, it's always like from a point of understanding, thank goodness. But like, um, yeah, I, they, if they asked me about it and I talked to them about it and, you know, they see the blood in the toilet and they see it on, you know, that's so good. It yeah. is good. And sometimes I wonder, like, I'll be talking to like dads outside of school when I'm waiting for my kids. And I think, mm-hmm. what if I was just like, Ugh, I'm on my period right now. <laughs> really really good question you should try it as a social experiment Lindsay like, I know what I could with some like guy friends like who I've known from like high school I would totally be like oh I have really bad cramps right now but that's yes. I know them. like you with the with the school pickup and dads that that's interesting I wonder I, really I know I I think you know most of them have wives or you know exactly. female partners and um yeah so I but it does st- still feel like then you'd kind of be labeled as the kooky woman who talks about her period, you know, even though like people talk about their migraines and they talk about, you know, yeah, I don't know. When we were talking earlier about the image of the blood in the Amy Schumer show, um, it made me think how crazy it is that we're saying we haven't seen that image, but then you think of like all of like the porn and like pornographic images we're all allowed to see at a young age and like watching porn, like, isn't that way more disturbing than like a person whose pee looks red 
Absolutely. (laughs) I mean, like the, just like the power dynamics alone in that kind of porn that, that I was able to access as a child Mm -hmm. and, you know, is way more problematic than, than it would have been if like, even now, like, you, you know, I'm not on Twitter anymore, but anytime I would see someone mentioning periods or menstruation or anything like that, I just felt so like starved. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we need it. We need more of it. Did you watch the movie with your kids, the turning red movie? No, I haven't yet. You would like it. You would really like it. Um, I about forgot the- about that. Yeah. Yeah. I, it was last spring and it was the girl who like, when she got her period, she turned into this like huge red, was it a panda? I think it was a big red panda. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was really, really period friendly and fun. Highly recommend. That's great. So I love that. Yeah. So it's happening. But it was very controversial. You know, all all of the Republicans came out against it. It was like a whole, it was a whole thing. Of course. I mean, that is so. <laughs> it's pretty on brand. There's <laughs> two different countries. I really feel in that way. Like just yeah. It's strange. Yeah. Another thing I wanted to talk about that I really appreciated in this book is sort of like your burgeoning understanding of what your parents divorce, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the effect that it had on your life, because I had a similar reaction when my parents divorced my dad sat us down and he was crying and he was you know like your mom and I are going to separate and I'm going to live here or whatever and I remember being like oh good you know like that's good like I think that's good <laughs> can I go to the mall now how old um, were you I was 15 uh-huh yeah and so I just like and I and I always that was the story I always told people was like oh but it was good I was so glad that they got divorced and it wasn't until later that I told my then boyfriend, don't you ever propose to me? And we're never having a family. I don't, you know, like, because oh, in my mind wow. that meant misery. Um, cause yes. my parents were miserable and, and, yes. you know, it's taken me a really long time to realize like, oh my God, I, I actually was really affected by that. Yeah. And I don't, that's another thing I don't see an, anyone really, you see like divorce, um, like in Kramer versus Kramer to, yeah. you know, as, as a classic example where it's like a really bad divorce, yeah. Um, you know, or like a really dramatic one, but something like that, that is more quiet in the moment. And then like has these effects over time. I feel like we haven't seen a lot. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. That makes me feel like more seen too, because I feel like, yeah, it, well, the, the term I use in the book was something I had read called the sleeper effect, mm-hmm. um, where, you sort of internalize it, but you don't process it. And so it hits you later. Mm -hmm. Um, Which For me, I feel like was my early thirties and it was so annoying because I was like, why do I have to deal with this now? It's like (laughs) such old news. And like, and the whole, you know, narrative around divorce is like, you know, what we see depicted in movies is always that the child wants their parents to get back together. Right. And that's mm-hmm. so untrue. Like you didn't have experience. I didn't have experience. So many people I know never wanted that. So I just, I hate that narrative so much. Mm-hmm. It's so blown up of like the kid tries to put their hands together. Like most kids are relieved. Like you're saying, like, you know, they're, these kids aren't stupid. So they're like, they're like, okay, good. Like that sounds like the healthy, healthy choice. Right. But for me, it, yeah, I didn't, I didn't process it. I mean, I was like 14, so I wasn't going to therapy. That wasn't a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I smoked weed a ton. So Mm -hmm. it's like, of course it just went away. And then of course it like reared its head later because where it's going to show up is in your romantic relationships, you know? 
I never um, even realized that, but the time in my life that I smoked the most weed was then. Yes. Same. So I never even considered that that. I think they're totally correlated. Oh my God. Like that kind of like froze me in amber. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Weed. I mean, you know, it's funny. I look back on weed. Like I don't smoke weed anymore yeah. because I think I smoked it so much back then. Mm-hmm. Like, but I think it was actually really helpful at the time. <laughs> like, I mean, I enjoyed myself. <laughs> yeah. Like I actually think like, I mean, in some ways, no, like I got, I was bad in school. Like yep, got same. Oh my God. I oh, was. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, for some reason I thought you would have not, but I thought you would have been like a really good student. I, I pulled myself out of it and got back huh? to, cause I had to get a scholarship to go to college. So uh, when I was getting D's and F's on my progress reports, yes, that kind of snapped not. me out of it. Oh wow. I, you got D's and F's. Most people don't admit that. Yeah, I did too. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Um, especially when people who like end up writers, like, I just think it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, we definitely did that. But at the same time, I think that it was, I mean, now people are like, weed is medicine, but like, you know, you're not going to say that when you're 14, but it kind of <laughs> was like, it, right. I think it was so, so helpful um, as a bandaid, like obviously not in the long run, but I feel like it gave me joy. It gave me like amazing laughs with my friends. It gave me such bonding with my friends. Um, so I feel like that was an okay choice for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it did do like the sleeper effect. But that said, if I wasn't smoking weed, it would have been something else anyway. Cause when you're 14, 15, you're not like, Oh, let me process this. No, exactly. <laughs> and like, think about all the memoirs that are out now about divorce and like all of the workbooks, all of the podcasts, everything. There was nothing, there was no resource. Yeah, um, and there also wasn't like a model of like, um, your parents are going to get divorced, but they're still going to be amicable. They're still going to mm-hmm. like, there was nothing like, there was no expectation of that. It was like, your parents are getting divorced because they hate each other. You know? Exactly. Like a tragic, horrible, you know, the only place where for me, where I saw divorce was in Judy Bloom books. Mm-hmm. Um, she has one called it's not the end of the world that I love. Oh, and her other one, just as long as we're together. Like she, she did amazing portrayals of divorce. Amazing. Um, so those were helpful, but I think, yeah, in writing this book, I was super interested in that because, uh, I just, I don't know. Divorce is a really interesting topic for writers in general, because it is so loaded mm-hmm. and like, there's just so much, there's different kinds of like research and statistics and, and obviously feelings and memories. So I was like, I, I thought that that was sort of cool. Um, like how can I, that, that's the other thing is like that this is a book about periods, but my editor and I really wanted to bring in, well, actually it was her idea, like wanted to bring in just more so mm-hmm. that it didn't have the identity of like, this is a period book, mm-hmm. um, which I think was wise. Like, that's literally what she said to me. Like, she was like, it needs to like shake off its identity of like, I'm the period book. So I thought that that was pretty good um, feedback. Yeah. Cause you also make the point in the book that the symptoms you're experiencing from PMDD or PMS or just, you know, any hormonal surges, they can be worse based on the trauma that you've experienced in your oh, life. They come and go. Yeah. Yeah. And so I felt like that was a really important correlation too, because it, it almost like, I remember a friend telling me like motherhood, isn't going to change you. It's going to make you more yourself. Mm. And it's almost like your hormonal surges, like heighten everything that's already in you Yeah, for good and bad. Um, yeah. and, <laughs> and so like that stuff that's in you that you're dealing with pretty well, most of the time is going to come up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and 
that's what was so interesting about writing this too, is I was trying not to write it from a place of having this like identity of like, okay, I have PMDD and here's what it's like. Like, that's not at all what was going on. And I actually don't even, and like right now, it's funny to think about PMDD as being an identity and me to say like, I don't identify as having it anymore, but like, I, I don't. Um, really? No. Cause I've worked on it so much. I don't, I don't really get it anymore. I mean, I'm, I also take antidepressants. So mm-hmm. yes, 1000% that helps, but I also think there was some kind of hormonal shift going on when this got kicked up, I think I had a lot of healing to do around my parents' divorce. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it was situational. I was in a new relationship. Like I just, I I know how to manage it now. I know mm-hmm. like how you said before that you feel your symptoms. Like I'm just so attuned to it that I feel like I give myself now more what I need. So in the early days, like I've depicted in the book of um, when it was really bad, I, part of that would be because I ignored my body. So Mm -hmm. it would be like, oh, I'm feeling this horrible rage and paranoia. Yeah, I'll go out to dinner with you, you know, (laughs) (laughs) go out and then I'll go out to the bar and then I'll, you know, just be socializing. And like, that wasn't what I needed. Um, Whereas now if I feel the symptoms, I'm a lot better at being like, this is a day where I can really keep to myself, do things that make me feel good. Um, of course that's not always possible, but it is often on my mind, like the calendar mm-hmm. and what I schedule for those days, um, how I'm going to be feeling. So it's always in the back of my mind. Whereas when I was learning about it, it was still catching me by surprise a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I plan for it better. I feel like I have, I think since that was a new romantic relationship, things just get kicked up in general. Yep. Um, because that's the nature of relationships. Um, And I was just starting to see it really clearly. So I think, I also think periods are so weird. Like one month I might have horrible PMDD and then not have any period symptoms for the next three months. And I do think it does depend on a lot of boring stuff, like how much you're exercising, how much you're sleeping, what season it is. Like I've had so many friends and students text me in this August and be like, why is my period so horrible in August? I'm like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, but that's my theory. Cause I've even put it in my book of like having your period in August should be illegal. I don't (laughs) know what it is, but everyone's period is worse in August. It really does. It feels like there's, it's like the ending of something and the beginning of something. And it's a yeah. lot. And you don't know, like, you don't really know what it's the beginning. I mean, we all know school and stuff like that, but like, you're also like, what is this fall and winter going to bring? And yes. there's something really unnerving about it. Um, like when I, they're in the book where I have this enormous fight with my mom, that was August. And that's when oh, I realized, wow. like, I think I have a problem, like, <laughs> like, because I had the worst PMS of my life. And that was when I, you know, well, I didn't actually, that was August. I didn't learn what PMDD was for like actually a year later, but I always Mm -hmm. look back at that August and it is in the book where it was a turning point of like, this isn't, this isn't normal. Um, so I always thought it was so interesting about the light. I always thought it was like the heat too, Mm. like the humidity, like, because that's the other thing with periods. It's like, if it's stuck, like if there's no exercise and like lethargy and stuff, I feel like it, it just gets worse. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's like moving with exercise, acupuncture, like whatever else, um, it can be better. So I kind of know, like if all of a month where I'm like, oh, I did not exercise at all. And I've been eating like shit. Like I kind of know my cramps are going to be worse than if I was taking better care of myself. 
you know, I feel like that I went through that same change between my twenties and thirties. Cause in my twenties, I was able to cope so much. And by cope, I mean like party, you <laughs> <Yeah>. know, and, <laughs> like, and cope like party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like go do things that I didn't necessarily mm-hmm. want to do, or even felt like I should be doing and like, you know, drink more. And, um, and then all of a sudden there was just this time where I was like, I cannot, leave my home. Like what is going on? Why can't I do those things that I used to be able to do so easily? And that made me feel better for doing, because then I could tell myself like, well, I did them, you know, like I can't feel bad for not doing them. And it just, it changes. And then in the same thing, like my forties, I'm realizing, you know, even like down to the ways I ate in my thirties are no longer acceptable in my 40s, like just like, you know, boring things like I need more protein. Oh, okay. That's why I can't keep my eyes open. Um, cause your body, you know, and I would be really interested to see some sort of comparative study with men because I really feel men go through hormonal changes that we ignore. Um, some of the things you were, you know, some of the rages you were experiencing and the paranoia and the, the, you know, just the horrible, like emotions you had to go through. I know men in my life, who do who go through those same things. And I'm, I was Googling like male hormonal changes, like, you know, yeah. I feel like it's, it's really a thing, you know? Well, and that's funny you say that I have had a handful of men or maybe people, friends whose partners have read it. And they're like, they've said to me like, Oh, I read that. And I was like, that's, that was me. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's the cycle that I'm also in. And mm-hmm. it is, it's pretty mind blowing. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really fascinated with that because definitely, I mean, women's issues obviously get overlooked, but we never really hear, aside from men like losing their hair or whatever, we never hear about like, well, maybe he was it, maybe he was in a hormonally asshole mood, you know, it was like his time of the month. Okay? Yeah, like <laughs> because it's not real. It's like what? So men never get irritable or snappy. Like, come on. So it would be interesting to see like side by side, like what's going on in a men, like in a male cycle. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody do that research for us, please. Yes, please. (laughs) 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 Can you tell us anything about orphaned passages? What, why can't I say that word passages? I'm keep saying Um, passages. Because let me, (laughs) you can't say it because it's a bad title and I've changed. No, no. Well here, here's the thing. It's too insider of a title. It was like, my editor says like, oh, you have like orphaned passages, like these passages that are like floating everywhere that aren't connected. And I'm like, oh, I like that as a book. Um, like, you know, those books that we um, that we read that are like just these fragments on a page and mm-hmm. with a lot of white space. So that was the idea. Um, I think I'm going to cut that part and it's called and call it Notes on Trying. Mm. Yeah. So it's a book about hmm, it's a book about the concept of trying and it's more, I would say it's more of a meditation and not a linear narrative the way the red zone is. Um, And it mostly explores infertility and the concept of trying to get pregnant. Mm -hmm. And at the same time looks at, I work at a store that sells what they call life-changing pants. (laughs) And they're like these amazing, just really comfortable size inclusive pants. Um, (laughs) I'll send you the link there. It's so good. It's women, women owned. It's wonderful. But um, I work there. And so I have pants are really triggering for people, like when you're trying on pants. So I started to think about that 
type of trying as well. So exploring like retail and our mindset around our bodies trying on clothes because people will come into the store and say the most horrific things about their bodies, Mm. which is really wild to see. Yeah. So the backdrop is this retail store and like the fitting room. Um, But then it goes into, you know, the fertility clinic and just the, how sort of ridiculous and obscene that world can be. Um, Again, I wanted to do a, I guess I'm really interested in like reproductive stuff, but I wanted to do a book that was like, all of the books I've seen or read, I should say, on fertility slash infertility end with the person doing IVF. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, huh, that's so interesting. Like, what about a narrative where like it, that that's not that's not how it goes of like, OK, trying to get pregnant, didn't get pregnant, doing IVF. Like I was it's just like what happens when you stay in the world of trying mm-hmm. Or like, when have you tried enough or like, you know, um, or not like, how are you not trying enough if you don't, don't do IVF? So yeah, that's, that's sort of what it is. That's also like, I always go back to Sheila Hetty cause she's like, I guess my idol, but like, that's why I love her book motherhood because it's the same thing. It's like, it's not a person who ends the book with a baby, which mm-hmm. is just so radical. Mm-hmm. So it's a super slim book. Like it's short. It's like 25,000 words. So it's kind of like one of those books you can open up and, and read any, um, any page, any excerpt. And that is going to be out with Grey Wolf in 2025. Grey Wolf. Holy shit. Such a great press. No, um, I'm really excited. I love them. The dream. And <laughs> Also, the pants thing. I am triggered every fall when I have to start wearing pants again. And I look Maybe that's at why pants. we hit August. <laughs> I, that's that, that. I was just going to say to you, is it August or am I feeling emotional about pants or both? <laughs> both. both. I just like because my body changes so often. It's hard to you be would like, love, yes. you would love these pants. So they're 98% cotton, 2% oh. spandex. So they grow up to two inches. So they're like, oh God. you can like stretch them out. Yeah. It's, it's, it's good. I need those pants. I like, <laughs> I will buy five of those pants and then I'll just be happy because I'm so pants yeah. are really emotional for women and, and you know, anyone who's got a body, I should say. Yeah. And, and it's true. Like we will say the things about our body because we want to circumvent you thinking those things and not knowing that we aren't aware, you know, like, yeah, like, yeah. Oh no, I'm aware that my body's imperfect. You know, yes. like I, I'm, I still need pants. <laughs> yes. Especially like post pandemic, the whole pants issue, I feel like got worse because yes. we weren't wearing pants. So yes. yeah, the whole, whole ordeal. Yeah. <sighs> well, Chloe, this has been such a treat. I have it's been fun. dying to talk to you about all of this. Um, Thank you so much. And I loved hearing about your first period. <laughs> I hope fun. everyone does. I've, you know, I've got <laughs> they will. so they much will. more to say on the topic. So hit me up anyone. Um, and I can't wait to read notes on trying. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much for having me.